If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode 28 of the Leading Learning Podcast. And uh, we think this is going to be a hot episode because we are talking about a hot topic in the world of continuing education and professional development, namely micro-credentialing and digital badging. But before we get to that, I wanted to point out that if you are listening to this podcast, then you or others at your organization may also be interested in Learning Technology Design, or LTD. And this is a learning experience we have coming up in May, specifically May 18th and 19th, that is designed specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. And the goal of LTD is to help attendees find new and better ways to engage learners and create lasting impact through the effective use of technology. So if you want to be sure your organization is not getting left behind, and more importantly, if you want to connect with others that can support you as you move forward, this is the event for you. You can find out more at ltd.leadinglearning.com. Also want to just quickly thank Com Partners, makers of the Elevate Learning Platform, for being a sponsor of Leading Learning webinars. And as part of that package, that makes them a sponsor of this episode of the podcast. You can find out more about upcoming webinars at tagoras.com forward slash webinars and about Com Partners at compartners.com. So enough for the opening information. Let's turn to that hot topic for uh, this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. And Salisa, you had the chance to talk with Jennifer Kabaker at Digital Promise. That's right, I did. She's the director of their educator micro-credentials. And uh, I actually came across Digital Promise um, uh several months ago when I was looking for a good example of micro-credentials and digital badges, and I've just been watching um, their efforts as they evolve and continue over the last few months, and I've been really impressed with um, how Digital Promise has put them together. Now, Digital Promise um, is, a, is a nonprofit, and it works kind of at the intersection of, of education leaders and researchers and learning technology, and um, they have really put together a nice set of um, micro-credentials, really building them from the ground up, and that's what Jennifer and I talk about, that process that kind of went into um, defining what she describes as the DNA of the micro-credentials. She also talks some about their um, search for the right technology to support the micro-credentials and the digital badges that go with them, um, how they're approaching the evidence that's behind the micro-credentials and the badges. So I think this is a really interesting episode because I think that what Digital Promise is doing is just a very thoughtful, very um, mindful approach to how to undertake a micro-credential and a, a digital badge effort. And I think that it there are lessons to be learned for, for all of us in their experience. Well, I know just from my own experience in talking with organizations that so many of them are intrigued by this idea of micro-credentials and uh, uh, the idea of digital badges and they very much want to pursue it but a lot of them I think are, are stymied because they aren't quite sure what the steps are, how to pursue it, how to make it a reality and I know in, in this interview with Jennifer you really get into that and provide some, some substance around this topic. So let's get on with the interview.
Elisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Kabacher. She is the Director of Educator Micro-Credentials at Digital Promise, which is a nonprofit working at the intersection of education leaders, researchers, and learning technology developers with the mission of improving the opportunity to learn for all Americans. So, Jennifer, thanks for making time to talk today. I said a tiny bit about Digital Promise there and about your role, but I want to give you a chance to introduce your organization a bit more to our listeners. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Salisa. So as Salisa mentioned, Digital Promise is the nonprofit organization. We were uh, first actually authorized by Congress in the 2008 Higher Education Act uh, and then actually appropriated by Congress in 2011, uh, starting with a half a million dollar grant. Since then, we are completely a independent nonprofit organization, uh, primarily supported by foundations involved in a lot of different areas to ensure that we have the most powerful use of technology possible across the education spectrum. And when I say the education spectrum, we mean uh, in early education, in K-12 education, um, all the way through higher ed and into adult learning centers. So we really are focused on strengthening those connections between practitioners, researchers, and uh, education technology developers to ensure that technology is being used to really empower learners in meaningful ways. Well, great. Well, thank you for that little bit more background there. And and I know I connected with you because for, well, at least the last few years, I've been on the lookout for good examples of of digital badges and micro-credentials. And uh, I was really impressed with what I saw on the Digital Promise site about the educator micro-credentials that you guys are offering. So could you provide a a short history of those micro-credentials, how and when the idea for for them emerged and, and where you are in the process now? Absolutely. So Digital Promise has been uh, working on developing a system of micro-credentials specifically focused on educators for about two and a half years now. That work really initially stemmed out of the work coming from the MacArthur Foundation, which was focused on digital badges for students specifically. Um, And as we started to think more about what acknowledging learning that happened outside of the classroom looked like for students, it became abundantly clear that educators also need and deserve this type of learning and recognition as well. Uh, So since then, we have really been focused on developing that ecosystem to build a system of recognizing learning, not just based on the fact that educators are learning in a variety of settings, though we know that to be the case, but specifically how and what they are learning in those settings. Uh, So specifically, we have taken that open badge technology, which was uh, started and initiated by the Mozilla Foundation in partnership with several others, including the MacArthur Foundation, uh, and turned it into a powerful piece of almost professional learning currency for educators that is explicitly competency-based as opposed to participation-based. Well, that's great. And I love that idea that it's a currency. That's very interesting. Um, and maybe this ties in to the one of the next questions that I wanted to ask you, which is that, you know, I feel like I hear a lot of people who are really high on the potential of, of micro-credentials, and they're really excited and gung-ho about it. And then I feel like there are others that kind of dismiss them as, oh, they're just fancy icons. So um, maybe talk a little bit more about this idea of currency or uh, about what Digital Promise is is doing to make the micro-credentials rigorous to make them more than just pretty icons. Absolutely. Uh, So first, I think it might be helpful to talk a bit about why we think these are so important for educators. Uh, So the real origin of the micro-credential concept is trying to address two primary challenges that we see in the current professional learning environment for educators. One of those is that primarily for professional educators, they're 
the validation and recognition of their learning focuses almost explicitly on learning that occurs in formal settings. So that would be the workshops and in-service days that educators participate in that often are dictated or determined by their schools or their districts or states. Uh, however, now more than ever, we know that educators are participating in all sorts of informal learning, whether that's on Twitter or YouTube or in MOOCs uh, or face-to-face with the teacher next door or even through trial and error in their own classroom. We believe strongly that we need to be recognizing this learning as well uh, because learning is of value no matter where it happens. And then at the same time, when we also think about validating and recognizing educator learning, we almost always talk about it today in terms of seat time or how long an educator spends in a learning environment, as opposed to what an educator takes back to them after that learning, takes back to their classroom and can actually demonstrate. We talk about this a lot for students, so facilitating that movement from what we call seat time to competency-based. And so micro-credentials in the way the digital promise is formulating them would also facilitate that shift by instead of focusing on whether and where an educator is learning something, instead focusing on how that educator can take that learning and apply it in their classroom. Uh, So with those two frames in mind, so one, recognizing learning regardless of where it happens, and two, facilitating that shift from seat time to competency, uh, we are really focused on taking this micro-credential or digital badging idea and turning it into that idea of currency. And we're doing that sort of through three different ways. Uh, the first way is making sure that every micro-credential is explicitly research-backed. And what I mean by that is that the competency and key method that's supported by each micro-credential has research to back it up to say that this has a significant impact on student learning or teacher practice. The next is to ensure that it is evidence-based. So this is where that competency-based concept comes in. So to earn a micro-credential, an educator has to actually submit evidence or artifacts of their competence in that area. And that Evidence can take a lot of different forms from videos to student works to self-evaluations and reflections. Uh, but regardless, for every micro-credential, there's an actual observable piece of evidence that an educator can do something as a result of their learning. And then finally, each piece of micro-credential evidence is actually assessed. Uh, and this is a really important piece of the micro-credential system as well, that for each micro-credential, there's a scoring guide and rubric that tells an educator exactly how their piece of evidence is going to be assessed uh, to demonstrate whether or to verify whether or not they have successfully demonstrated competence in that specific area. That's great. And and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when we spoke before, you, you sort of talked about those three pieces that you just went through as kind of the DNA of your micro-credentials. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Digital Promise has spent, gosh, the first year and a half or so of this effort, uh, building what we call the framework or the DNA of micro-credentials. And that means that every micro-credential that you see in our system follows a similar framework and template. So you can count on every micro-credential being articulated in a similar way and having similar components. And that framework supports those big three pieces, so being research-backed, evidence-based, and assessment-based. And who does the assessment for that third piece that you mentioned? Who you know you provide the rubric and all of that, but then how, how are you sort of sourcing the the work to actually assess the the evidence that the educators are uploading? Sure. So this is actually a really important aspect of the Digital Promise Educator Micro Credential System, is that it's most. Most of the micro-credentials are actually the result of a partnership between Digital Promise and what we refer to as issuing organizations or organizations with content expertise in a specific pedagogical area. So for a lot of micro-credentials, you'll see uh, in that that pretty icon, uh, in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a little DP for Digital Promise, which is sort of like our 
our good housekeeping seal of approval that says that this micro-credential complies with the Digital Promise Framework, is research-backed, evidence-based, and assessment-based, um, and is high quality. And then you'll also see the name of the issuing organization across the top. And what that means is that that issuing organization, I mean, we have partnerships with, gosh, over 15 organizations now across the spectrum of higher education institutions to nonprofit um, professional development organizations and everything in between. Um, it means that they have, A, developed that micro-credential content, B, facilitate the assessment of that micro-credential, and C, actually award the micro-credential to the educator. So if an educator walks away with a micro-credential from, say, the Center for Teaching Quality, which is an organization with a ton of expertise in teacher leadership, uh, anyone who sees that that educator has earned that micro-credential knows that the Center for Teaching Quality has actually uh, more or less verified that that educator has demonstrated competence in that specific area. That's great. Really, really nice model there to sort of go to the people who have the, the expertise in the particular subject and then you, then you bring that expertise to bear and then it also helps with this, this review so you have qualified reviewers and a way to get that evidence evaluated. That's great. Um, That's exactly right. And so um, because we're kind of touching on it a, a little bit in terms of, you know, the icon and this idea of up Uploading evidence and things, uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about your search for the right technology to support the micro-credentials and, and where you ultimately landed? Absolutely. So uh, as I'm sure you know, there are many players in the digital badging or micro-credentialing arena right now. A lot of exciting things happening that are um, workforce-focused or student-focused and then some things that are also educator-focused. When we first sort of took a lay of the land or landscape of all of the micro-credential platforms out there, um, there were, of course, a lot of great options and a lot of them have really great technologies around building badges and things like that. But what we saw we're missing were sort of three main pieces. Um, the first was that we wanted to build a system that was specifically rooted in uh, the professional currency and seriousness that we know teachers desire and that we think that they really deserve. Um, second, we needed a system that empowered the educators with agency to select and apply for the micro-credentials themselves. I often refer to this as as being earner-initiated as opposed to issuer-initiated. What I mean by that is that the educator actually goes into the system, selects the micro-credential they want to earn, uploads and submits their evidence of their competence in that area, and then receives the micro-credential, as opposed to the issuer going into the system and saying, wow, Salise is really great at administering podcasts. I'm going to give her this podcasting micro-credential. Uh, so we were looking for a system that would specifically facilitate that educator-empowered agency. And then finally, we needed a system that would facilitate the assessment internally so that an assessor could actually go into this system, view an educator's evidence, assess it according to our rubric and scoring guide, and then ultimately make a recommendation as to whether or not um, that educator in that micro-credential. So currently, we are working with a professional development organization called Bloomboard, um, and we've worked with them really closely to design a micro-credential or badging platform that facilitates those three components. Well, that's great. And I think for me, that I think it's the second part that you mentioned about sort of being the uh, the 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 learner or the earner initiated is a really interesting perspective because I'm not sure I've heard too many other people talk about that, but I like that idea of you really want to empower mm -hmm. the individual learner. Um, that's great. And, and so my understanding is that you're in the midst of a rollout now that, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, you sort of spent this year and a half kind of really 
developing the framework and the DNA, and then now you're, and you found the right technology, and so now you're um, trying to, to roll these out. So can you just talk a little bit about how that's going and, and where you are in that rollout process? Absolutely. So we launched the platform with Bloomboard back in November. Uh, and since then have received just a ton of enthusiasm from both educators out in the field, as well as policymakers and district leaders to try to figure out how that they how they can use micro-credentials to facilitate that shift from seat time to competency-based learning for educators. Similarly, we think that micro-credentials are a really powerful tool for personalizing professional development or professional learning for educators. Um, and by that, I mean that through micro-credentials, an educator can identify specific learning goals that they need and pursue competencies that address those learning goals, as opposed to always engaging in professional development that sort of comes from the top down. They're really able to initiate it themselves. Uh, So we are taking a lot of that enthusiasm, uh, ensuring that we are continuing to market and promote micro-credentials among educators using a lot of the social media platforms that we know educators are really involved in, like Twitter and Pinterest, but also reaching out directly to district leaders and state policymakers to see how we can start thinking about incorporating micro-credentials formally into professional development structures. And that could either be through existing systems like continuing education units or credit hours, which is how um, most states and districts currently measure and validate educator learning, um, as well as trying to rethink some of those systems. So, for example, um, there are some districts and states that are moving towards what's often called a professional development or growth plan and helping folks think about potentially having micro-credentials as being benchmarks or scaffolds towards a learning goal that's identified in a professional development or growth plan. Um, so a lot of initial excitement, and now we're at that place where we're trying to figure out, you know, how can we provide educators with that extrinsic value and motivation on top of that intrinsic value and motivation that's inherent in micro-credentials. Well, and that's great because I I did read through the Making Professional Learning Count report um, that Mm -hmm. makes that point um, about that intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. And one of the things I found really interesting in that report was that there was sort of this um, mapping of the the educators who were likely to be the early adopters were more focused on intrinsic motivation. So that, that focus on competency, because they, they just are driven to be better teachers. They want to be better teachers and that's sort of enough. And if micro credentials help them, then that's great. And then there was sort of that distinction opposed to the mainstream adopters that are going to maybe care a little bit more about those extrinsic motivations, like maybe, mm-hmm. you know, any ties to pay increases or, or things like that. So um, do you find yourself trying to, I guess, how do you find yourself trying to balance those intrinsic and extrinsic motivations? Are you putting more emphasis on one rather than the other right now? Or are you kind of just trying to hit both of them and, and, and build um, both, both that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation into the messaging that you're putting out around the micro-credentials? Yeah, we're really trying to do both right now. Um, And as I mentioned before, there's sort of two campaigns that we're engaged in. One is that um, grassroots social media campaign to speak to educators who are intrinsic learners. And one thing that we absolutely learned from that study that came through so strong is teachers really want to get better for them for their students and for themselves that they have learning goals and goals for their students and they see often informal professional learning as being one of the best ways of addressing those goals and then at the same time we are working with those state policymakers and district leaders and school leaders even to identify how 
we can uh, develop those extrinsic motivations and values for educators uh, because we do think that overall we really need to facilitate this formal shift towards competency-based learning for educators in addition to giving educators a new um, and valuable way to show what they know. Great. And so um, do you have lessons learned that you're um, open to sharing? You know, anything you definitely do differently or, or definitely do the same if you had the design, development, and rollout of a micro-credentialing program to do over? Oh, that's a really great question. So I would say one of the first things that we thought was really interesting was, as I just mentioned, that data point that educators really, their primary motivation is about getting better for their students and for themselves. We actually thought initially that the idea of recognition was going to be really powerful for educators. Um, by my view, um, Educators often don't get recognized for the hard work that they are doing, that they are really, by definition, continuous learners, and many of them over the course of their careers become true masters of their craft or of their practice in the classroom. Um, but as it turns out, as that um, Making Learning Count study shows that you mentioned before, educators are primarily motivated by coming by becoming better, and that was really powerful. Um, so our primary lesson learned is to incorporate that talking point into the conversation from the very beginning to ensure that it resonates with educators. Another one very closely tied is just ensuring that you have educators involved or learners, whoever your learner might be, involved in the design process from the very beginning. Um, we have been working with this great coalition of professional development providers, institutions of higher education, et cetera, from the very beginning. But we have found that um, having educator pilot come in and look at the micro-credentials, provide feedback, play around with the platform and give feedback has been exceptionally powerful for better understanding how these will be used and how we can give them value for educators and how they can be the most meaningful in the long term. Well, that's great. And I think around that that first point about kind of learning uh, about the, you know, that it wasn't so much about the, the proof or being able to show other people, but but the, again, that intrinsic motivation, I think that's really interesting because it gets back to like, don't assume it, that you know what the learners want. And I think that we do hear a lot about micro-credentials and that they're this this great way to show or to prove your, you, you know, what you know in an area. But I think just this idea of, well, maybe that's not the emphasis that, that the learners are going to put on it and therefore being responsive to that then in your design and development. That, that just seems really smart. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Um, and so as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you a question that we ask everyone on the podcast, and, and that is, how do you approach your own personal lifelong learning? So how do you keep learning and growing your knowledge and skills? I'm guessing you've maybe learned a lot more about micro-credentials than you knew, <laughs> you know, two years ago, but you can speak specifically to the micro-credentials or just in general, this really is just how do you approach your, your overall mm -hmm. lifelong learning? Yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal way to end a conversation like this. So for me, of course, learning about micro-credentials and the technology supporting them has been a real journey. Um, I have had to push myself in terms of thinking about uh, use cases, understanding how complex our professional learning and development systems really are currently, uh, and how powerful a role federalism and variation across <laughs> states and districts really plays into this conversation as well. Um, and then similarly, just so much around the technology supporting it, the open badge standard, which I mentioned before, was started by the Mozilla Foundation, has really taken on a life of its own. I mean, now there's a community called the Badging Alliance, uh, which has really started to own this process and drive it. Uh, and there are so many complicated new things happening um, from something called 
all the blockchain for security uh, to many other aspects that I am just on the cusp of understanding. So there's a lot going there. Um, but I've found actually, and this applies to my professional or personal lifelong learning as a whole, is the power of learning from those around me is incredibly meaningful. I have a wonderful team who all have really, really different uh, strengths and areas of expertise from uh, de- in-depth classroom experience to really impressive technology experience to everything in between and making sure that I am viewing everyone on my team and around me as potential resources and people to learn from has been really powerful. And then similarly, you know, the, the internet should not be under uh, underappreciated as a tool for lifelong learning, everything from Twitter chats to YouTube uh, to just a Google search. There's so much information available out there and so many people who are willing to share of their their time and information and knowledge. Well, great. So it sounds like some uh, strong recommendations for social learning and informal learning there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so finally, just last question, where are the best places or best place for people to find out more and or connect with you? Absolutely. So folks can head on to digitalpromise.org to learn more about our micro-credential initiative. Uh, they can also, if they want to go straight to that platform, go to bloomboard.com slash digital promise to explore our over 125 educator micro-credentials that are currently available. And then, of course, I am always reachable on Twitter at jencocab. That's J-E-N-C-O-H-K-A-B. Well, great. Jennifer, thanks so much for taking time to talk today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Salisa. So that wraps up our interview with Jennifer Kabaker of Digital Promise. As we are exiting here, another brief reminder that we do have learning technology design coming up May 18th and 19th in Arlington, Virginia. And to find out more about that event, just go to ltd.leadinglearning.com. And we should mention that there will be a session on digital badges at LTD. That is true. Digital badges, along with a, a lot of other cutting edge learning and technology topics, will be on the agenda there. We also want to make sure as we are exiting the uh, podcast today that we once again thank Com Partners for being a sponsor of this episode and of Leading Learning Webinars. And you can find out more about Com Partners at compartners.com. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 28. While you're there, you will see options for subscribing to the podcast. And we hope that you will subscribe if you aren't already We'd also be grateful if you take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com forward slash iTunes, and we'd appreciate hearing from you there. And it also makes it easier for others to find the podcast if it's gotten some good reviews there. Also, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a auto-populated tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick... Uh, another social network of your preference and whether in our words or your words help spread the word about the leading learning podcast so that's it for this episode thanks again and we will see you next time on the leading learning podcast